What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. I am once again joined by Rob and Harrison from the Basement Binge as we are getting ready to discuss Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, moving right along on this journey that started with Curse of the Black Pearl and one that I am super excited to continue for a movie that I have not seen in a very, very long time. But before we get into all of that, uh, Rob, I'll start with you. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about this movie. It's something I hadn't actually sat down to watch again. Like a lot of the things that we seem to do on Matt Goes to the Movies, they sometimes they tend to be movies that I've enjoyed and just haven't had an excuse to sit down and watch again. So uh, I was very excited to uh, check this one back out. Um, I've had different feelings about the second and third entries in this series. And, and it was a great chance to revisit it and be able to kind of formulate how I really feel about it. And the fact that this takes place sort of right in the, the these reviews take place sort of uh, right in the middle of uh, uh, international talk, like a pirate day was, was fortuitous timing. So uh, I hope you guys had a chance to celebrate like I did. Uh, I, we, there was a super fan of the Matt goes to the movie show that actually dropped off a little surprise for me to help me properly celebrate international talk like a pirate day. So I certainly appreciate that. Yeah, I certainly did see that. And listeners, uh, you know him from the basement bench. He's the one and only Harrison. Welcome back, man. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, I, you know, this is like Rob said, out out of all the Pirates movies at World's End for me was the one that has been the longest since I had last seen this movie. So I was really excited to rewatch this, regather my thoughts, and I'm just really excited to start talking about this movie. But before we do that, in honor of the basement binge, we are going to continue with our rummage for the rotten segment, which is us guessing who is going to like this movie the least. So Rob, I'm going to let you start. Um, who do you think is going to give this the lowest score? Uh, Matt, I think it's going to be you. Um, Harrison has already kind of, you know, he's, he showed his hand a little bit and said that this is his favorite movie. Um, I think it's going to be you. That's going to be the rot. And I think I'm going to be in the middle, but I don't think we're going to be too far apart. All right, uh, Harrison, I'll let you cap it off, but I'm going to say that I will be as well, but I I am really razor, razor thin on this one. I think it's going to be close, but I do agree. I, I think you know neither of us will, will beat Harrison. I will be interested, though, Rob, to see, and we'll get into this right after, if any of our rankings have changed. I don't think Harrison's will, but as we get further along, I'm curious to see if this has switched positions in our original ranking. So Harrison, though, where are you standing on rummage for the rotten? Uh, yeah, I think that obviously I'm going to be at the top. I, I know that I am. Uh, as far as rotten though, I, I do agree that it's going to be you, Matt. I, but I don't think it's going to be as close as you guys think it do. Just uh, maybe just for the sake of difference in conversation. I think that there's going to be more about it that, Rob finds redeeming and more about it than Matt finds condemning. <laughs> <And> that, like <laughs> while both both of you will have 
points to our, either side, I think that you'll have a majority on opposite sides of the aisle. All right. Very interesting. So, you know, as we're talking about rummage for the rotten and who's going to like it the least, good segue to go into where we had these ranked. Now, after the first two movies, uh, I don't think anything switched. So, Rob, I'll let you go first so that you can recap where you had these movies standing. Um, and then, obviously, at the end here, we'll have this in the show notes. But where these movies still sit for us after, you know, the first three. Yeah. So after um, the, you know, just kind of having not seen two through four five, you know, right as we were talking about the first one, uh, somewhat recently, just, uh, you know, having the chance to rewatch the first one, I had uh, Curse of the Black Pearl is number one, Dead Men Tell No Tales is number two, um, At World's End, number three, Dead Man's Chest at number uh, four, and then On Stranger Tides, um, all the way down in Davy Jones' locker. Uh, it's it's not even five, it's, it's deeper than that, uh, was where I had uh, my rankings. Very cool. Harrison, where do you stand on your rankings? Uh, very similar with On Stranger Tides to what Rob said. Very, very much at the bottom. Above that was Dead Man Tail No Tales. Uh, I will say, though, On Stranger Tides, I, I really have a hard time differentiating between Dead Man Tail No Tales and On Stranger Tides because it has been so long since I've seen either of them, and they're very much forgettable. But I won't say what it is, but there is a scene in one of them. I genuinely don't remember which one it is. And whichever one has that scene, I'm pretty sure I'm going to like more. And I'm, it might actually be on Stranger Tides the more I think about it. But either way, I digress. Back to my ranking. So, yeah. At five was on Stranger Tides. Four was Dead Man Tell No Tales. Uh, Dead Man's Chest and The Curse of the Black Pearl were kind of tied, but I put The Curse of Black Pearl at two and Dead Man's Chest at three. And then, of course, at the top, at World's Ends, which I'm very excited to talk about. Yeah, I... After, you know, last week's episode, I had it as <clears throat> Curse of the Black Pearl at number one, Dead Men's Chest at number two, although it was very, very close for those for me. I did have Dead Men Tell No Tales at number three. I had At World's End at number four, and I had On Stranger Tides, again, much like the two of you, just hopefully buried deep 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 down <laughs> in the ocean depths to never be found so i'm eventually excited to talk about that movie just because sometimes those episodes are incredibly fun to just absolutely laugh at how bad they can be but before we get there i am really eager to talk about at world's end so rob i'm gonna let you start what we call the teaser trailer portion of Matt goes to the movies. It's two minutes. It's spoiler free. Take it away. Yeah. So if you haven't seen this movie in a while, um, definitely it's on Disney plus right now, go check it back out again. Um, there were some things that I, that I disliked about the second one that we talked about last week. I, I disliked how dark it got at times. And this one starts off really, really dark. Um, without giving it away, you know, it's, it's pretty dark, but it doesn't, it doesn't maintain that tone throughout. Um, it definitely feels like, uh, the, the true end, this could have been the end of the series. And I think that would have been fine, especially as bad as the fourth one is, is kind of revered. Um, there's, there's some great moments in this, in this particular film though. Um, pirates at its best. When you think about pirates of the Caribbean, you think about 
goofiness. You think about adventure. You think about fun. You think about that phenomenal theme um, that just gets woven in through all the best moments. You think about Captain Jack Sparrow just somehow bumbling through everything, just somehow, just by sheer luck, always ending up that that. The, the coin lands heads for him all the time, no matter what seems to happen. He never seems to truly be in trouble. He never truly seems to be worried about his own fate. It always just seems like everything's going to work out for him, no matter what happens. And, and this film really has some true great moments of that fun that, that everybody loves about the original one. Um, there's some ridiculousness there that doesn't always work. There's, there's definitely a sense of, throughout this series, but absolutely in this film, there's a search for one particular MacGuffin that somehow a person within their group of people knows about this MacGuffin. And then they go to that. And then the next thing they have to do is another MacGuffin that they're off, you know, they sail off in search of that somehow miraculously one person in their group sort of knows about. And, and pirates as a series is just kind of that continued search for it. There's some kind of cursed object or magical object or a person who knows about this other object, um, or this person just magically happens to be who they need at that moment in time, or the right relation, whatever the case is. Um, but I'll tell you, ha having had a couple of days since the last time I saw this, and I my, my rewatch was kind of broken up a little bit. I didn't get to sit down and, and watch the whole thing start to finish. The beginning of it, I had a lot of things that I was negative on, but towards the end of it, that's where it really picks up. And the longer I've gone since my most recent rewatch in my head, when I think about this movie, the only things I'm remembering are the fun scenes. The only things I'm remembering are the, the things that just made me grin like a fool while I'm watching it. And, uh, and, and I think that this is definitely a return to form after I, after the second one that I didn't like as much. Very interesting. Harrison, I'm going to let you go next. Where do you stand spoiler-free? Uh, it's hard to say spoiler-free. I agree with what Rob said. I mean, the second film, we definitely, you should definitely listen to that episode if you haven't. We all had a lot of positive things to say about it. Um, my one complaint was that it, it, it felt like the things were kind of uh, contrived in the way that the characters ended up together in the search of this MacGuffin, where the first one all just felt really tight. Uh, and although the second film felt really tight, it felt like, oh, we got to get these characters together, where this one just feels like these characters are together because there's no way for them not to be anymore. So the characters coming together works a lot better in this film, but the story as a whole doesn't feel as tight. It feels a little bit more bloated. Uh, which is the only negative thing I have to say, because in echo of what Rob said, this is pirates at its best, everything about it, the music, the characterization of the characters, the, the sword fights, the battles, the ship sailing, the, the, the uh, mysticality of it, like, like the fantasy elements is what I'm searching for. Uh, everything is just, I, I feel like is genuinely at its peak here. And it's just a blast to watch. Like if I had a preference of any Pirates of the Caribbean movie to watch, like, randomly, uh, I would probably pick this one just because there's so much about it that is just so much fun for me. Uh, it, it's a blast we watch, and I think that this group of characters together is what really works because I love them in the first film, and then I love those who weren't there in the first film in the second film, but it missed some characters from the first film, and then this one has them all, and, I, and it makes it that much better. 
uh, and just a blast to enjoy. On top of that, as far as like the story goes, it, it doesn't feel, uh, how, how can I say the spoiler free? <laughs> That's difficult. Uh, it, it just feels like these people that I love seeing together are on this absolutely ridiculous adventure because there's literally no other way that history can continue for these people. Like it, it kind of feels like the destinies are winding together. And for that, it's, it's a really great adventure to watch for me. So I, I of course had a blast watching it. All right. Uh, here's what else, what I'll say. I'm going to keep it brief. It is big. It is loud. It is fun. I do agree. It is pirates at its best at certain moments. And I also think there are certain moments where it's pirates at its worst. However, rewatching this movie, I was, I will use the word amazed at how much better it was than I remember. First watching at World's End, I didn't hate this movie, but I certainly wasn't a fan. I have had a very big turnaround on how I view this movie, how I view the characters, the relationships, and the actual stakes involved in this movie, and the seriousness at how much I re- not re- not relate, but how much I feel for the characters in this movie, and some of the very subtle things that happen to make me think, "Wow, these people have like they really do have this." long lasting like deep bond so i'm gonna leave it there because otherwise it's just going to be spoilers but I, I definitely have much more fond things to say about this in the upcoming segments than i thought i would so i'm even more excited to get into spoilers so with that being said that's switching us from seat to screen this is where we talk about what works and what doesn't work so harrison i'm gonna let you start the ball rolling what works for you that you want to lead off with that Rob and I will piggyback off of? Where does this movie start capturing you? Uh, kind of at the beginning. I'm trying to like scrub through here. I always have it pulled up on Disney Plus to kind of like remember uh, what happens. And it, it immediately captures my attention from the beginning. Uh, I mean, the beginning is kind of dark. Like the, the actual opening scene. I would say after that, when they have that, I don't know, interrogation with Elizabeth and Barbosa. Uh, what I was saying that I, I tried not to say spoiler free, Barbosa, I'm realizing, is to me like the key element that makes a Pirates movie. Like everybody talks about how Jack's their favorite character. I mean, we all love Jack Sparrow, but I, I genuinely think after this watch that Barbosa is my favorite character. I just love him. And, and having him back in the Pirates movie just makes it so exciting and really fun. Uh, his lines are witty and written in the most ridiculous way. The way he talks, the actoring, I, I love Barbosa. So having him back in that initial scene with Elizabeth and having them work together, uh, trying to do something and like the double play and and pirates trying to to thieve off of one another just gets me excited for what's to come. Uh, so it's kind of immediately. Uh, so the, to get the ball rolling for me, the thing that works is really Barbosa, but just the characters as a whole, like kind of you were saying at the end of your. Rob, where do you where do you go from that? What do you you know? You mentioned that the movie starts off kind of dark, and this is obviously where we could talk about that if you wanted to. But you know, where does this movie? Do you remember it capturing you? Maybe like as quickly as it does Harrison, or do you have another place where you're like, wow, this is 
oh, okay, this is pirates. I like this. Yeah. So I guess to kind of have a little bit of mixture of what works and what doesn't, uh, right out of the gate, we have assembly line style hanging. Like they're literally turning a crank and people are walking down the line to be hung one after another after another. And the hangman's just kind of there punching his time clock, you know, trying to see, you know, if he can, if he can get a bonus with, with how many he can get done that day. Uh, and they hang a kid too. Like you don't actually see that, but it's, heavily implied that the little kid that they show is also going to be at the end of a noose. Um, that's, uh, that's not exactly my favorite way a movie's ever opened. Um, I, you know, it just, it, it really, to me just felt unnecessary. Like, I, I don't know, to me, I felt like there was a lot of other ways that could open this movie. And I'm not sure, like when you really think about this movie, what exactly did that opening scene add? I mean, it makes us know that Cutler is a bad guy. Okay, yeah, we kind of got that. Like, I don't know that we needed this to know that he was a bad guy. Um, so I don't think that really adds anything other than just kind of this really unnecessarily, like, stomach-turning thing at the beginning of the movie. Um, but as far as, you know, I, I want to talk about something Harrison said. The addition of Barbosa, bringing him back into the series right at the, you know, the last scene of, of the second film, to me, I think is one of the key ingredients of why the third one to me is a much better, much more enjoyable movie than the second one, because he is, yes, everybody's favorite character is probably Jack. After that, Barbosa is just fantastic. You think about every scene he's in, in this series and how many of them do you not like? Is there any, I mean, really, when you think about it, it's just Jeffrey Rush is great. The way he's written is great. Um, and I really think that's part of the reason that makes this this one so much better. Um, it, you know, in terms of other things that work, uh, just again, it gets back to more of that fun. You know, there's um, things like there, when Jack's doing something and somebody says to him, you're mad. And he says, thank goodness for that, because if I wasn't, this probably wouldn't work. You know, it gets I, I said it about him. And I think in the first review, he reminds me a lot of Marlon from Finding Nemo. They're on this great adventure. And they have no reason to ever escape the situations they're in, but just somehow they continue getting out of one situation after another. And I just, I really, um, I, you know, I really like that about this movie. Um, even, even little things like things that shouldn't work, that could end up being really just lame, like Elizabeth's rally speech to the pirates towards the end. When we've seen this in movies before, you know, this is that win one for the Gipper kind of moment. Um, it could come across really, really bad, but it, by the time this movie gets to that point, um, when we're kind of like halfway through act four, let's say, uh, this movie doesn't slow down at all. And it's hard to turn it off. It's, it's hard not to be just locked in from that moment on, uh, when they really get the climax of this movie going, um, it's, it's a, it's a ride. And, and I think that's part of the reason why I like this so much better than the second one. Yeah, there's there's some stuff that I agree with. I, I will say that the one thing that, you know, for me in the very beginning, there's a couple things that don't work that don't capture me right away. Uh, one of them is the reveal that uh, Sal Fett already has Will Turner. Um, I, I would love to know how long he was underwater because uh, they were talking with Barbosa and Elizabeth for a very long time. And then it's like, that's like one of those mm. reveals for the audiences like, Oh, look, we've got this guy. And I'm just like, you guys have been in a meeting for like 
five minutes. <laughs> like he's just he's just been underwater the whole time. Like like good for you, buddy, being able to hold your breath. But um, you know, like that kind of annoyed me in the beginning. And some of the scene transitions I felt, you know, even on this rewatch were a little hard to follow in the beginning when the battle's taking place and Cutler's men come in. And I'm just like, wait a minute, how did they get from this point to this point? Because at no, like at no point during the scene, did I think they were in this area with this escape route or this was part of the structure. So I just feel like some of the, the scenes were like, created just so the characters had a way to get from point a to point b it didn't feel like a smooth transition but once that scene's over there's a lot that really just starts to work and i i love seeing jack in davy jones locker just basically being mad and delusional i really like that a lot and i really like when the crew first gets there and they need jack back i i think there's a lot of really good emotion there i think elizabeth uh sh- you know kira knightley plays her part very well with the guilt that she feels over jack and not telling anybody yet so i really like that part of it so that's one thing that i want to talk about is this is where i start to see more of the relationship between jack and elizabeth as almost like that brother sister relationship where Rob, I think you said it and Harrison, I believe you kind of agreed with the statement from the last one. If I remember correctly, where you weren't quite sure about what the relationship was and, you know, does she kind of like him? Does she not? I think here, and especially towards the end, which I'll talk about later, I think you just get almost this, okay, you know, this is two people that actually like each other, but not in that way. There's just something there that they have a bond that they didn't realize they had. And it doesn't, you know, go any deeper than that. Um, Harrison, I'll let you go first. You know, what do you think about that? What do you think about the relationship between Jack and, and Elizabeth in this movie compared to some of the hints we might've gotten in the second one? Yeah, I think that it's just done really well. Like you said, I, I got to add on that I love that scene in Davy Jones' locker when Jack's just going nuts. And then the ship comes over the sand dune on all the craps. Uh, and I love the relationship between Jack and Elizabeth. Like one of the first things that kind of sets the ball rolling with Elizabeth and Will again is when Jack says the sentence like, why should I go with you? Four of you tried to kill me. One of you succeeded. And then Will <laughs> looks back in Elizabeth and like finally gets it like, oh. And then the way that like he's hesitant to talk to her, you know, like the it's my burden to carry line. Just the whole thing I thought was fantastic. And between Will and Elizabeth. And I love that Jack and Elizabeth just, just kind of recognize like there's something going on between us. It doesn't necessarily mean romance. You know, I wouldn't even say it's a platonic relationship. Like that sounds too simple. Uh, but there's like a genuine connection. Like it feels like these people's destinies are bound together, particularly with this, how this film concludes and that final fight, which I'll get to later. Like it, it, it just feels like these are people who are just destined to be involved in each other's life. And I feel like the relationship between Jack and Elizabeth works extremely well in that way. And, and I love the way Keira Knightley plays off 
the guilt of that uh, and the sorrow, but also like the hope and, and almost like redemption, so to speak, that he's back. Uh, I think it works extremely well. Rob, your uh, your floor. Yeah, so I, I also agree that the relationship between those two characters in this movie feels a lot more. It, it just it makes a lot more sense to me, um, and I like uh, I, I like what Kira Knightley does throughout this whole series. Really, um, I I particularly like her in this film. I think this is probably my favorite. Uh, performance of hers of, of this whole series and and partly because they give her the most to do they give her the most opportunity for some range um, which is good uh, the thing I don't particularly like and it's it's not anything against Kira Knightley um, there's some kind of weird ways they use her in this movie um, starting towards the beginning of it when she's walking into the meeting and uh, the pirate with the fake eye I think his name's Rigetti or Pintel I can't remember which one it is um, is like looking up at her from underneath the grate like I don't think that scene makes it into the movie in tw- if you make it in 2021. Um, it, it just, it, it's kind of off-putting. And then when, uh, when James Norrington is about to, you know, make his brave last stand, you know, it's okay. It's my turn to kiss Elizabeth now. Like that to me was just, I don't know. I know they were betrothed at one point, but I, I don't know. It just made me feel a little bit weird. Like, like she's just kind of getting passed around from one male character to another uh, that everyone gets their chance. I, I guess, I don't know. To me, it just, it was kind of, I don't want to call it cringy, but it just, it didn't really work for me. Um, outside of that, um, I, I think Kira Knightley is fantastic in this, in this film. Um, she holds her own. It's she's believable in all the fight scenes that she's in. Um, you know, when you think about a woman trying to fight a man, even in a sword fight, there's still a difference in strength. There are still things that, you know, male athleticism plays into, um, that she, uh, believably makes it appear as though that Will has been training her in, in sword play. She's picked some things up along the way um, and is a, you know, a, a genuine fighter in her own right. Yeah, I agree with all of those points. I think it's very believable. The progress and like where she is in this movie in terms of like being able to sword fight and things like that. Um, you know, one thing I like, too, is I do think, Rob, I don't know how you feel about him individually. I still think that their relationship with now Will and Elizabeth really felt a lot like a natural progression in these movies. I really liked how they went from one to two to three. It just feels natural you know, the hostility, like everything about this felt very real and believable to me. Um, them, you know, eventually reconciling. And I just, I liked it a lot. I also really do like Will Turner in this movie. Um, I think it's a little heavy handed how much they foreshadow what is going to happen. I think they beat you over the head a little bit too much with it, but that doesn't take away from what I think is a good performance by him. So I'll let you go first because I know you're you're not the biggest fan. So I'm curious to know what you think. Yeah, so I was definitely critical uh, in the first film. Um, 
and and wasn't really in love with what Orlando Bloom did with his character. I thought it was kind of wooden, but um, I'm going to agree absolutely with what you said. I liked him a lot more in this. Um, I think particularly the relationship between uh, Will and Elizabeth, you see a lot more development in that. Um, I, I think, you know, going from one to two and then from two to three, especially in three, you really see the most development of it. And it's a very compelling way they do that. I want to highlight one particular moment of that at the very end when Elizabeth and Will really acknowledge and understand the cost of what I would call the ultimate long-term relationship. When they realize what this means for them now, um, you feel it. I mean, the way that it's filmed, the way that it's edited, the way they perform it, um, it's it really hits. It hits good. Um, and I just I love that moment at, towards the end of the film. Yeah, I do. Harrison, where do you where do you stand on their relationship? If you want to dive a little bit deeper into what Rob just said about, you know, the gravity of what the decision that, well, really not even the decision that Will makes. Um, it's almost made for it's made for him, so to speak. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think it's actually one of the things that makes the fourth film so disappointing is because that ending made me so excited for these characters even more. Like, what a fantastic relationship and journey they've had for the three films, like we've been saying. And then we get this really exciting relationship commitment that's performed extremely well. How interesting would that be to see uh, on Stranger Tides? You know, like, Captain is... Or Captain... Elizabeth is a captain of a ship, and Will is now the captain of the Flying Dutchman. You know, what, what does that look like? Are they still interacting with Jack in any way? Uh, how is their relationship? Does she go out to sea to see him type of thing? Uh, I, and because it's done so well, the way that it's told through the entire three films, uh, I think that they really, because we know that the second and third film were filmed and written back to back, but the first one wasn't. And I, I think that they spun off their relationship from the first film extremely well, that it really feels like one cohesive relationship that ends in a fantastic way, particularly right after the wedding scene. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even call it a wedding scene, the marriage scene uh, that <laughs> they have on the ship as they're like fighting in Barbosa Mary's. One of my favorite scenes in all of movies. I, I love that scene a bunch. And so I think it's just they've, in this film, had to like reconnect to the point to make an ultimate decision like, hey, in this heat of the battle, we have no idea what's going to happen, but we want to be together. And then to have it like ripped away from them in like the most hopeful and optimistic and also like dreadful way that like he's not dead, he, he's alive, but they don't get to see each other, you know? And I just love the way it's performed. I love the, the relationship, how they do struggle, but always care for each other in their burdens they carry alone uh, as to to use that line that they have um, that really because of how well it's done, I think is one of the biggest reasons the fourth film is so disappointing for me. I would agree with that. Uh, I, I think the fourth one, you know, as we talk about that in another episode, almost feels like a spinoff in that dead men tell no tales is truly the sequel to three that four should have been. Um, I also think actually the fifth one, when you break that down, should have been like that could have been called on Stranger Tides. But that's, again, for a totally different episode. So I speaking of relationships, though, 
we've talked about Will and Elizabeth. We've talked about Elizabeth and Jack. One that doesn't work for me in this movie, and it is a very, to me, it's a very big miss. Uh, They swung and they, they whiffed completely on it. I really did not care for the back and forth and the little bits and pieces that we get about Calypso and Davy Jones. I really didn't think it worked. I didn't necessarily need it. Um, Harrison, I'll let you go first. What do you think about that? Because for me, again, it just it misses in a major, major way. You know, it's something that I've always in my head thinking about the pirates films have always liked. I think the, you know, I just kind of think about that and I like it. Uh, I, what I think is a miss is one Tia Dalma, fantastic character. And I feel like turning her into Calypso is wasted. Second, I think the relationship between Calypso and Davy Jones works in a lot of ways, but also doesn't work in others. Like the story of Davy Jones being heartbroken. So he literally cuts out his heart. Uh, I mean, like what an interesting villain that we don't really see like that much emotion in a villain. Um, And I kind of wish that they would have left it ambiguous, you know, like who is this woman that he fell in love with and to fall in love with the goddess of the sea, you know, like seriously, (laughs) Uh, but that that being said, it, it works in some ways for me with Davy Jones, but in like in like I'm trying to rephrase this in a better way. Davy Jones' relationship to Calypso as like a woman and as a lover works really well to me, but Calypso's relationship to Davy Jones makes no sense to me, and and I think is weird for a characterization of a goddess and of of Tia Dalma as well, um, and also is just kind of like a weird. Added on MacGuffin uh, uh, that Rob was talking about. So it, the way that it adds emotion and, and sorrow and, and pathos to Davy Jones works so well. But the other way around, just it doesn't work. It, it feels really forced. Rob, where do you stand on that? Do you feel like it's forced? Do you feel it is natural? What, what are your thoughts? You know, this is just an example of what I sort of talked about at the beginning of the show that there's just, you know, you move from one MacGuffin to the next and that just happened to be the direction this one went. And really when you get towards the end of this film, I would say probably two thirds of the way into this film, all the way to the end, uh, something we've talked about before with pirates, it's, it's really complicated to try to keep track of who's double crossing who and who's actually triple crossing who and who's quadruple crossing somebody. They make it look like a double cross only to actually have it be a different double cross. Like I almost feel like I need one of those crimes, you know, lab kind of like boards where you draw the the lines from one character to another. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh no, they were only making it look like they were trying to set this person up as a double cross because they were actually trying to help them. That's so much of these films. Um, and it happens in this movie really at that two thirds point all the way through to the end. If you had to try to watch this movie 10 times and then explain it to somebody succinctly what actually is happening from that point on the movie just starts moving so fast and and people keep changing sides so quickly uh you know like we had said before like it it's tough to keep track of 
like Will's relationship to Jack, will they, do they want to kill each other or would they be willing to die for each other? Because it seems like it changes at the drop of a hat. Um, and so many other characters you can say that about, and it really feels like that it's just moving so fast that by the time you get to the point where they reveal that bit about Calypso and, and Tia and Davy Jones all together, by the time it gets to that, I, my head is just kind of spinning so fast that I just go, uh, okay, fine, whatever. But to try to stop and actually analyze it, yeah, it's it's kind of excessive and, and unnecessary and probably could have been done a lot of different ways that would have worked better. Yeah, I think to a varying degree, I think we're, you know, uh, in agreement with that. But one scene that I want to talk about now, because to me, it's incredibly powerful, incredibly moving is before it's right before one of my favorite scenes of this movie with up is down and down is up. I absolutely love that. But when they are on their way back from their journey and the, you know, souls of these dead people are trying to be ferried away. I absolutely love the way that, it's Jack who tells Elizabeth that they're not back. I love the way that everybody shows emotion for Elizabeth at the mm. realization that her father is gone. I love the dialogue with just talking about Davy Jones heart. There are so many things that work about this scene, the emotions, the way that it's like I said, Jack who tells Elizabeth wills, you know, unwavering just hope that there is a way that they could bring him back. Like he doesn't even like the first thing he says is, is there a way? Um, I like this scene a lot. I remember actually rewinding it and watching it. Like I remember going back, rewinding. It sounds like I'm watching it on VHS, but <laughs> like going back and watching this scene again before I just kept the movie playing. I love this scene. I, I think there's so many layers to it. Rob, I'll let you kind of start off with what are your thoughts on this scene? Um, I, I agree with a lot of what you just said. It is a very powerful scene when, when she has to come to the realization. Um, and this is really what we see in, in true grief that, many people aren't willing to accept that they're willing to accept every single other possibility other than the worst one. And even when the worst one is what's actually happening, many people reject that as what's actually going on around them and choose to pick a different reason for why they're seeing what's happening. And that's exactly what we see with Elizabeth here. Um, the one thing that makes this scene not work for me, maybe as well as what it does for you when they're asking about, if he can, you know, how they can save him, they throw the line to him and everything. We've seen people come back from the dead in this, in this franchise. It, it seems like the plot determines who can come back and who doesn't and who has to come back in a way that requires an additional adventure. That's going to take up 30 minutes, 45 minutes of screen time. Um, but, you know, I, I guess you know, everybody in comics comes back except uncle Ben you know, and Thomas and Martha Wayne, they're permanently dead, uh, except the Elseworlds thing. But that's, that's, you know, in Flashpoint, but that's, that's beside the point. Uh, 
the only people that can't ever come back from the dead are the ones that the script dictates can't come back from the dead. So uh, to me, I, I, I sat there and I went, yeah, but you just, you literally just brought Jack back from purgatory and 45 minutes of screen time in this series prior Barbosa comes walking down the stairs. Cause you just brought him back too. Um, so I, I guess maybe it didn't hit me as, as much as it hit you, but outside of that, the scene's great. Harrison, where do you stand on this? I'm definitely more on Matt's side than I am Rob's. So uh, I'm just ruining things here again. It looks like, <laughs> uh, probably, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a scene. I mean, this is hard to do after Rob. It's a scene that, that I agree with you, Matt. It really, really works for me in the way that it's, that they just went to great lengths to bring Jack back. And while you can kind of be like, okay, well, the script decided Jack could come back, but her dad couldn't. But like the the loss, you know, like real loss and just the continual loss, uh, I think it's fantastic. I, I talked about earlier the pathos of Davy Jones. I think that that particular scene you're talking about is one that adds to it the best. Both the mythos of Davy Jones, like, well, how did, you know, the mystery behind him, but also just the pathos to the character and what has happened to him over and over again. And I love that. And I love the way that it weighs on Will and weighs on his decision. I love that the way that it weighs on Jack and his decision, you know, both of them trying to go after Davy Jones heart for different reasons and the way that that experience both positively and negatively affects their decision. I love that Jack like that brother sister relationship is the one to first talk to Elizabeth and help her understand. Um, and Will's unending devotion to, to help her and protect her and keep her safe. Um, yeah, it, it really is a fantastic thing, scene. I think that scene is one of the few that is really full of genuine, serious, well-portrayed, well-acted emotion in all of the Pirates films, and, and it works extremely well. So I'm sorry, Rob, but you, you can't ruin it. <laughs> it works well for, I tried. for Matt and I. Yeah, no, I mean, I... I think, Rob, you do have a, a, a point there. I think, to me, I interpret it as the reason why her like they couldn't bring her father back is because of the condition of where he is. Maybe that sounds like odd, but since Davy Jones is no longer doing his job, like those souls, ha- like they truly are in like almost like a purgatory. They're just floating there with no way because Davy Jones has decided to stop doing the job that he was intended to do uh, with the Dutchman. I kind of interpret that scene as that. Um, Maybe I'm just wanting to, so I don't have to look at the fact of like, well, it makes no sense that he couldn't come back and they're just using it for an emotional point. Um, All right. You can, you can use it. You've got me with the emotion. So, Um, but I, I do interpret it as he can't, because of Davy Jones and him not fulfilling his duty as the captain. Even though I'm trying to ruin that scene, um, I'd like to just point out to the listeners that both Matt and Harrison like The Last Jedi, and I don't. So take that for what that's worth. Have we ever talked talked about (laughs) The Last Jedi? Never. Never come up before. (laughs) Only just this once. Exactly. Never once. Um, all right. So, <laughs> mo- moving on. We'll have to discuss that someday. Um, we should. <laughs> so, Rob, 
you, you know, you said that you like this movie a lot. It's fun. I want to give you an opportunity to, to point out, you know, anything else that you think really works or maybe something that doesn't work, you know, we're, we're working our way through the acts of this movie. What is one thing that, again, either that really works or doesn't work that we haven't touched on yet? Um, to not not to get to you know favorite and, and least favorite scenes just yet, but I want to talk about the supporting characters in this series. Um, obviously, you know everybody thinks about Jack Sparrow. That's that's the straw that stirs the drink of the Pirates of the Caribbean series. Is is Jack Sparrow? I mean, that's um, without Johnny Depp, this thing doesn't exist the way that it does. Um, but I want to talk about the supporting characters because. I love that they stayed with them. They continue to bring them on throughout the series. Um, there's, there's just so much fun. And some of the callbacks, especially in this movie to the first one and, and things from the second one, are really a lot of fun, especially if you watch them in close proximity like we, we're in the process of. Um, but you know, I, I 100% agree with Harrison, as he said earlier, about how, how great Barbosa is as a character. But I'm going to call him kind of one of our main characters. As far as our side characters, my, the best one by far is Gibbs, and I will die on that hill. Uh, uh, Gibbs is fantastic. Every scene he's in is great. There's never a time where he's saying something where I'm like, oh, they could have cut that line or oh, I didn't need that. Um, it's He's so funny, but also straightforward too. When, when you need somebody to kind of explain some of the superstitions or some of the lore a little bit, uh, there's Gibbs in a perfect pirate accent that, that's it's a perfect pirate accent without going over the top into caricature. And, and I really love the balance that the actor brings to that um, without going so far overboard with it. Um, and, and he's just ridiculous at times. Um, so the side characters, a hundred percent, the two guards that are always arguing with one another and then always letting Jack escape or steal the object or whatever it is. Um, I just love that they stay in the series throughout. One small thing that I kind of want to talk about that just really worked for me. Uh, we've said over and over again how great the score is throughout this series. I want to talk about the end of the, you know, the climax battle where the two ships are kind of in the middle of the maelstrom and it's they're swirling around each other. The score there, they're pulling elements from all the major themes throughout the series, but there's more gravity to that sound. Um, it really makes it feel like this is important. This is a major battle. Yes, this movie is largely adventure and fun and kind of silly and definitely ridiculous at times, but it really set the tone very well there. Um, that that this was serious. This part was serious. This part was okay. Pay attention. You know, we're we're not going to be doing a lot of ridiculousness here. This one matters. Um, I, I loved that aspect of it. Another small detail that really works for me. We've seen this uh, used on the internet like crazy, but but actually seeing the scene as it's presented, when Cutler realizes he's lost and the ship is just being demolished and they use that slow motion shot of him walking down the stairs to the, the main deck of the ship. And there's just explosions going off all around him. The ship is getting obliterated. It's just being turned to toothpicks. And he is basically just walking to his fate. Um, I love that shot. I love the decisions from a filmmaking perspective that they did there. Um, there's so many good things about this film that I just little moments like that that I love. 
um, that I, I think I missed in the second film. It just didn't work as well. Uh, and that's why I like this one a lot better. Harrison, what are your thoughts on some of those points? Uh, yeah, I, I love the side characters, uh, particularly, the, you know, the two that Rob mentioned, Mulroy and Murtaugh. They're fantastic. I love that they brought them back at the end and let them be, be pirates. I love when everybody's cheering right after they take out uh, – he just said his name. I can't remember his name. Uh, what is his name? Uh, Lord Beckett. Uh, and they come out of the ship and they're cheering. Uh, I think it's fantastic. But also, um, you know, just – Everybody involved, Pinto and Rigetti, they're hilarious. Uh, when they climb on top of the Kraken, and they're like, Pinto and Rigetti, Kraken Slayers, and they're like telling their own side story. Like, you have to pay close attention because Barbosa and Jack are having a serious conversation. But if you listen hard enough, mostly with headphones, you can hear their entire conversation. And it's hilarious. Like, that, no one has to hear that, it's totally unessential. But it's hilarious, and it's fantastic characterization for everybody. Uh, just the way that it works, it's all involved. Um, I think it's fantastic. I, I, I could talk about that ending scene that Rob mentioned for hours. It's That scene is kind of the key scene that is e makes it easy for me to say this is my favorite part of this movie because there's so much working in that scene that, that I love, particularly the music. Um, I, just to talk about two other things with the music – because I've talked about it all day. This is this is the best pirates movie to me. Period. I, the music when Elizabeth and Will say goodbye to each other is the most like happy and mournful music I've ever listened to. And if anybody wants to hear an amazing piece of music, I gotta look it up real quick to say the right thing. Um, so it's uh, it's "Marry Me" and "Across the Stars." by samuel kim on youtube it's this guy who combines film scores and he compared or he combined the across the stars which is padme and anakin's song with elizabeth and will's song and it's just the best anyway um so yeah I, I think the music in this film and the way that it portrays emotion the way that it portrays importance the up and up is down scene that you mentioned that's fantastic it there's just those moments like we said that make it really easy for me to love this because this thing happens here, and oh my gosh, it's amazing. And then a few minutes later, this thing happens. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm Gibbs. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling at this point because everything Rob said, I want to say the same thing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I'm at a loss for work. Yeah, I think, you know, towards the end of this movie, this thing gets so good and again just like i forgot how good this movie is it's it's really surprising it really caught me off guard just how fun it was and you know the fight between jack and davy jones and you know you guys mentioned too just how much i actually like almost all of the characters in this movie i i never really thought about it uh, until watching this back that like man there's there's so many actual people in this movie that are important that i like and it's not just okay well you have the big you know the big four jack will elizabeth and let's say barbosa from the start of you know the trilogy 
it's a really, really interesting thing to look back, you know, rewatching these for the podcast and see how well they actually did with making these characters engaging and really just for like for me really this is a, this is a series that i think if people look back on it I, I hope like new generations will actually watch the first pirates and really see how good these movies like actually are I, i'm really hoping that this you know lasts quite some time because it's it's a very well done series at least the trilogy i think it depends on sadly um, what public opinion on Johnny Depp is um, that might force them to continue pirates uh, with other characters or other stories. Um, but, or they have to consider recasting him. Maybe they show younger editions of him uh, with a new, with a new actor, or maybe they show him towards the end of his life um, and they bring in somebody else to do it. But uh, I think that, we, you know, I, I don't want to get in deep to what's going on in, in his personal life, but um, if it turns out that he really needs to go away from public eye for a little bit, um, that could be the end of this series. And just from an entertainment standpoint, entertainment only, not talking about anything else, uh, that would be disappointing. Yeah, I know they've talked about Brie Larson starring in a spinoff, and they're still trying to work out a sequel to Dead Men Tell No Tales, but I do think... You know, there will be a lot of validity to that and how this this franchise stays or is remembered is based on that public perception and and how that all ends up turning out in the end. So, um, Harrison, I'm going to let you go here with is there anything else that you really want to point out on what works and what doesn't work? Um, yeah, well, first let me add on what you said, because I want to say something. I know that they're really planning something with Karen Gillian, who plays Nebula in the MCU. She was also in the Jumanji movies for, uh, the new Pirates film, which makes me excited because she's fantastic, but also really worries me in light of what you guys were saying with Johnny Depp, but also like part of the future films as well is that it got so focused on Johnny Depp that it's Johnny Depp's story or excuse me, Jack Sparrow's story, Jack Sparrow's story. That the other films, it's like, well, where's the rest of the people that made this so great? Like, Jack Sparrow wasn't the only thing that made Pirates successful. Um, so, to answer your question, any other thing that I think really, really works here? Uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it besides the up is down scene. But Oh, wait, I forget. We have favorite scene, least favorite scene. So, no, I don't have anything else to say. I'll say my thoughts for that. <laughs> Rob, do you have anything else that you would like to close out the from seat to screen segment with i think i've got them all all right so that is going to move us front to the um sorry segment from the lobby uh this is where we talk about favorite scene least favorite scene uh i mean i'll start harrison i'll let you talk about it though the up is down and down is up god so much fun just you know, again, to me, peak pirates, it's when it's firing on all cylinders, but I'll let you talk about it first. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, like you said, it's just peak pirates. Everything is just going full bore. I mean, like the music, 
that is my all-time favorite piece of music from all of the Pirates movies is Up is Down. Uh, but that scene, the way that Jack figures it out, the way he says, well, that's more than less unhelpful. Like, like the lines leading up to it, the entire thing that they're trying to figure out, like everything that they've went to get to World's End to now try and come back, uh, the way that they rock the ship, like just the absurdity that Jack starts running back and forth. And then people start doing it, and then they catch on. Um, the way that the water comes up from the ship, that like it's, it really seems like the ship is emerging uh, from floating, you know, from being pressed down. Uh, yeah, it's just a fantastic scene that when you watch it, you just smile and you think, yeah, I'm watching a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and it's the best. And there's not much else I have to say about that besides it's just fantastic to watch. Like, they're just flipping a ship over in, like, a really ridiculous way. Like, what else can you say? It just works, so. Yeah, Rob, anything that you want to add to that, or do you want to name one of your favorites, or at least if you want to go that route? Yeah, I'll stay with favorite. Um, that scene's definitely a lot of fun. There's really two that stood out for me as I was um, re-watching it recently. Um, I was prepared to say that the Brethren Court scene was going to be my favorite scene, and it, and it was kind of on paper. Um, it's just, it's a blast. It's fun. It's pirates doing pirates things. Um, you know, it's, it's silly. It's ridiculous. It's things just being thrown at you out of nowhere, but everybody just takes them so seriously that you just, as an audience member, you just go, okay, yeah, I'm coming with you on that, I guess. Cause, cause everybody just takes it that seriously. Uh, and then there's twists and turns. Nobody expects Jack to name Elizabeth as his vote. Um, that's a lot of fun, but um, I could not in good conscience call anything from this film, my favorite scene without talking about the, the marriage scene on the boat in the middle of a battle. And it's, there's, there's rain, there's mythical creatures, there's, you know, like hammerhead sharks with swords that they're fighting. And we kind of talked about it a little bit before, you know, they, they realize, Hey, um, we may not make it out of this. So let's just go ahead and do this. And, uh, and I love the line from Barbosa. I'm a little bit busy right now. And, and I'll tell you, the first time I saw this movie was shortly after it came out. When you're a parent, that line hits differently. I'm just going to say that. Like, that line <laughs> is very different when you're a parent <laughs> because I can be elbow deep in something and my kids will come up to me at that moment and have a hundred million things for me. Um, you know, uh, I'll be driving and my kids want me to turn around and see something that they're they're holding. And I'm like, I, I want to see it. Like, I, I want to I talk to you about it. But I'm like in the middle of merging across three lanes of traffic. Like, right now, it's not the time. Like, I, I, I just, it hits differently. Um but the whole thing is hysterical. It's a great evolution of that relationship that we talked about before that works so well in this film. Uh, the, their reasons for it, they're both totally into it. They love the idea. Um, they don't know if they're getting out of this thing alive. Barbosa just goes along chewing up scenery like crazy. And, and the battle keeps going. I love it. I absolutely love that scene. Um, it's probably very high among my favorite scenes in this whole series. I'd say it's probably really high among my, my favorite scenes of all time. I, I cannot think of a film that has a more ridiculous scene than this one that actually works. If you think about the universe of the film, having something this absurd work this well, I struggle to think of another another scene from another movie like that. 
Yeah, I think that's very well put that it's so absurd and so ridiculous, but somehow it just, it feels right. It feels like these characters would do that in this sense. So I I really agree with that. Uh, One of my favorite scenes is literally towards the end when they, they have won, um, Elizabeth is going to get into the rowboat and she's going to go see Will. I just love everything about that. Uh, Number one, the conversation between Will and his father bootstrap, where he tells him he's no longer bound to the Dutchman, but he tells him, you know, uh, bootstrap says by my reckoning, I still have a debt to pay. Um, Ask him to get on the wheel just explaining to him that, you know, Elizabeth can't go with like, can't go with them. And it's really cheesy, but he just says, well, you know, it depends on the one day. And like, that's something that like in my life, I've tried to really like embrace and like, not because of this movie, but like just the concept of sometimes it's not always like quantity. It should be like quality, Um, you know, and just trying to take things like one step at a time and focus on what the positive is instead of the negative. So I I like a lot of that. I like how, you know, goodbye, pop it. Uh, the first time that Barbosa is introduced to Elizabeth, he thinks she's Mrs. Turner, and now she is Mrs. Turner. Um, I like that a lot, and the relationship with Jack and Elizabeth. I like the fact that they both look at each other and they smile, and I think almost is like a joke is why she says to him, well, it never would have worked out between us. And he just smiles back at her and is like, well, keep telling yourself that. I think they both know that it it actually isn't that, but there was a lot of respect there. You know, she knows that this is probably like in this world. I think they both realize that maybe they won't see each other again. That was a kind of the impression that I got. And they've been on this huge journey together. You know, he's come back from the dead, so to speak. And I like everything about it. I got. I'm just gonna jump in here and say I completely agree. I wanted to point out that scene as well. You literally said everything I like about it. To add one more thing, I just love that they, like, we don't see it. Maybe she asked for the rowboat, but Gibbs just come up to her and says your chariot awaits. Like, I just love that they respect the relationship she has with Will and they understand. Like, this is what happened. This is what is gonna happen now, and this is what her what what she deserves and. It, I just think it's like great writing for everybody involved, but also like we just don't see that type of writing for female characters where like male individuals that, you know, are main characters kind of like respect and really value a woman and what she's going through. And I, I just think it's a fantastic scene all around. My one complaint about it is that when Will disappears at the end of that final scene, that like we have no idea what happened to Elizabeth. Like, did she get back on the Pearl or did she get back on her? you know, the, the Salfang ship and still be the captain of that. Like, yeah, that's my one complaint, but yeah, fantastic. Well, I have nothing to disagree with about anything. Either of you guys said, cause it's, I'm very much in line with that. Uh, the one thing that I would just add is it, you think about how great this final scene works and then how sad you are that they went and made a fourth movie that wasn't any good when this could have been the cap to the series. Yeah, I mean, the strange thing is going to be when we all watch on Stranger Tides and then it turns into our favorite movie of the series. So we're, we're all, we're all going to look like idiots. 
<laughs> that would happen. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if it does happen, I, I don't think we can ever do a podcast again. I, I don't know. <laughs> That'll just be a lost episode. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry to the audience. Uh, uh, that, that episode got lost. Uh, the, uh, the ones and zeros of the internet just claimed it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do want to point out, um, uh, so one scene that you know really doesn't work for me it is when calypso turns into you know the great big goddess and you know turns into a a million crabs and falls into the ocean granted it leads to an incredible scene with the water like but again like that i don't know it just didn't work for me I- i'm not sure i don't want to get too far into it because it's just like really nitpicking i just for whatever reason, it felt super weird to me. Nothing to disagree with there. Um, it, you guys both liked the scene. Uh, I actually didn't particularly care for the purgatory scene. Um, in terms of my least favorite scene, I kind of thought it was too long. I didn't really think I got the point of it. Yes, we're, we're understanding that he's in nowhere um, and he's going a little crazy. I think there was some more creative things that could have been done with that. Um, it feels like really just an excuse to get Jack back on screen. Um, I, like I said, I know you guys both really like that scene a lot, but I actually call that my least favorite scene. I think there's, I think there's more that could have been done that would have been a lot more fun uh, than what we got. Very fair. Harrison, anything you want to add? Not necessarily with that scene. Um, I'll just let Rob be off in La La Land. But my least favorite scene is actually, it's there's like a scene, and then there's also just kind of like a consistent, you know, thing throughout the film that I just like. My least favorite scene is at the beginning. I love. I mentioned that what gets me really reeled in and excited is seeing Barbosa and Elizabeth together on an adventure, kind of scheming, playing against other pirates. Like it gets me excited. Like yes. We're having another Pirates of the Caribbean adventure. But then kind of what happens after that, you know, the guns or the swords come up through the floor boards and then they have a big fight. And then uh, not Norrington, but the other guy. Uh, why can't I ever remember his name? Uh, the, the bad dude. What the heck is his name? Anyway, Beckett. Uh, Beckett. His yeah. men show up or whoever it is, you know. Uh, and there's like this three-way fight happening, but also like a, a just a two-way fight where the pirates work together against Beckett. And there, it just the editing is chaotic. None of it really makes any sense. There's not a lot of continuity. There's just explosions and guns going off everywhere, and and the characters somehow end up together. It just doesn't work for me, which is a bummer because right before that is awesome. I mean, there's even a moment where they blow the hole in the floor, so all the pirates who are underneath the floor can now come up, and they come up the floor with Beckett's men behind them, firing guns at their back. But they don't die. They just, like, run off, like, away from the guys. Like, what? You're telling me that if you were there, (laughs) you're a British soldier, (laughs) you're there to kill the pirates, and one of them walks up from a floor and his back sitting to you, that you're not going to take him out? (laughs) You know, you're just going to let him scat along, you know? They had that stormtrooper aim. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I guess muskets are just really hard to aim. It it just doesn't work, uh, which is a bummer. But the other thing that really doesn't work for me, which is sad, is that we have been talking about this for a while. I mean, like almost an hour we've been recording. And 
we've been talking so much about the end of the movie and there's so much before that happens and it's a bit bloated and Rob spoke about this a little bit. Like there is so much double crossing and back and forth and characters being here and then there and then here and then there again. And it just, it's really hard to keep up with. And it's kind of a bummer that there is so much jam packed in here that for the first part of the film, we focus so much on Jack and Barbosa and Davy Jones is just kind of there as someone who's summoned by Beckett. And that's it. Like there's no real character to him. It's like, Oh yeah, we got to remind you Davy Jones is here. So at the end, he can show up. And when he shows up at the end, it's awesome. Like, I, I love that scene on that little, you know, sand beach thing where Jones is in his bucket. Like, that's just a funny scene. Um, that is really fun. <laughs> I love watching I mean, that. Like, the way they do it, too, they pan across the feet and you have him in, his, in a bucket. And, like, the bucket's behind him that he had to step in to get into that bigger button. I just think it's funny. Uh, but it's kind of a bummer that he's kind of wasted. For such an amazing character... In the last film, we, we praise him so much. Everybody knows who the, the character of Davy Jones is. They throw him away for like the first two-thirds of the film. Just They show him up every once in a while to remind us about him, but he's not there. He has no presence. He has no threatening nature to him, which is a bummer because I think Bill Nye plays him so well and that it, he's just wasted at the beginning. Yeah, I would, I would totally the, the agree. The latter half largely makes up for it. You know, it's really easy to forget about the beginning because he's great in the end, but thinking through the whole movie. It's, he... Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, especially after his portrayal in Dead Man's Chest, uh, to have him kind of be, you know, at the beck and call of Beckett and just. You know, again, too, the whole I thought you would have understood that when I ordered you to kill your beastie and, you know, the Kragen's gone and everything like that. It was, oh, so you just built this guy up to be second fiddle uh, in the next movie. It is, to me, very disappointing. Rob, anything you want to cap that off with? Um, I, all, all good stuff. I think that some of my confusion at different points of this movie are trying to figure out exactly how much time has passed between the second and the third films and all of the events that have happened. There's, there's definitely a lot that's glossed over. And while I, I appreciate when a movie doesn't necessarily have to spell everything out for the audience and just kind of leave some things up to the imagination. Um, there, there's maybe a little bit more here that I would have liked to have fleshed out. There's some events that definitely had to have happened between two and three, um, that I think I would have liked to have seen in some way. Like th this feels like there's a uh, Rogue One kind of film that could could, could have ha been sandwiched in between episodes here that that maybe give us a little bit more about what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like they were able to, you know, round up pirates almost immediately. Um, you know, with that opening scene, they control all of the seas now. You know, was that because they had Davy Jones? Like, did they use, you know, did they use the Kraken for a little bit to wipe out a bunch of pirate ships? Did, you know, how did they round everybody up? How do they control the seas? Like, literally like that compared to where we were uh, in the second movie. So I, I do think there's a little bit of, you know, curiosity with, well, how much time has, has actually passed here in, you know, how long was Jack in the locker? What, you know, how did these characters get from the end of Dead Man's Chest to the beginning of At World's End? And, and it's weird to say that because this movie is almost, almost three hours long. 
like a few minutes shy of three hours. That's a long time. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I love watching it, but that's a long movie. And it's weird that we look back and like, well, we're, we're kind of missing some pieces. <laughs> this is weird. You know, like, when, how, how did they fill up that three hours? <laughs> Yeah, no, it is it is kind of funny to think of this being basically a three hour movie and like, well, maybe it could have been three hours and fifteen minutes. <laughs> like um <laughs> but uh yeah, so really good stuff. Guys, anything that you need to add from a favorite scene or least favorite scene before we get into uh what we're calling you know, franchise appeal, the ranking system, and then getting into the rummage for the rotten. I'm also, oh, I just got to mention, I just have to say that I agree with the comments that both of you made about like the brethren court scene, or maybe it was just Rob. That, that's a fun scene. Like of all things to add into your pirates universe, a court of, you know, pirates, lords that get together and they have this giant rule book, you know, that's just awesome. I love the president court scene, and I just didn't say that, so I had to because I wouldn't sleep well tonight if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess just yeah. real quick on that scene, one of the things that I really like about it is when we think about pirates in our world, um, typically we're, we're thinking about, you know, that golden age of piracy and, and assaulting the Spanish main and, <clears throat> you know, the Bahamas and Nassau and Jamaica and all of those areas. Um, we kind of think of that, but pretty much anywhere in the world, where boats have traveled, piracy has existed. Um, there's a very strong tradition of it in China. There's a very strong tradition of it uh, all over the world. And I thought it was a really cool touch that it was a very international feel to that brethren court. It wasn't just a bunch of, you know, guys that look like Barbosa and Jack. It was all of these people from all over the world representing all the places where piracy did flourish at one point or another. So uh, I guess just on that scene, I, I really like that touch. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed that too. So moving on to our franchise appeal section. Uh, well, actually I think it would be actually more appropriate to do rummage for the rotten here. So I'm going to go last though, since you guys guessed me to be the rotten. <laughs> so uh, with rummage for the rotten, it's where we're going to rank this movie um, out of five reels. So Rob, I'm going to let you go first. How many reels do you give at world's end? At world's end for me is 4.25. I had the first film as a five. It's just a perfect adventure action comedy film. Uh, the second one I had a 3.75. This one to me was, was four and a quarter reels. Um, A lot to love. I remember more of the things that I love and less of the things that I disliked or wish they would have done different. 4.25. All right, Harrison, where do you stand on at world's end? Uh, To give my ranking, I need to retcon my ranking for uh, dead man's chest. I'm going to give, so originally I had Curse of Black Pearl at five. I'm going to keep that at five. I'm going to give Dead Man's Chest a four, just a flat four. It was originally at four and a half. And then I'm going to give At World's End a four and a half. So, yeah, just a, just a fantastic film. I think if it wasn't for this rewatch, if I just had to come on here and talk about it, I would say, oh, it's a five, it's a five, it's a five. But watching it, yes, I absolutely love that. There was just a few things that we've talked about that just, didn't work as good 
they weren't as tight. And, and saying this makes me want to undo the retcon that I just did and keep that message. I don't know. I'll, <clears throat> yeah, they, they can both be four and a half. That makes sense to me. Four and a half in different ways. So anyway, short answer to your question. It's a four and a half. All right. Very interesting. So my original rankings uh, for reels, I started off with Curse of the Black uh, Black Pearl at 4.85. I was a rotten there because um, I didn't give it five reels like both of you did. Uh, I turned around, though, for Dead Man's Chest and gave it five reels where Rob was the rotten there. And at World's End, uh, believe it or not, gentlemen, I have it at four and a half reels. I like oh, this wow. movie a ton. Um, maybe I didn't portray that during the episode, but this is a four and a half real movie for me, which I'm going to actually be excited to talk about the next part because my rankings have now officially changed overall for this series. So it looks like I'm the rotten. So you are the, you are the rotten with this. Um, but wow. Again, so, <laughs> so, <right? laughs> you're the, you're the worst. Um, but again i mean you know you're sitting here with 4.25 it's funny you know you're rotten for this movie even though we've all talked about how much we like it but with my official rankings though i had talked about this last episode for dead man's chest so i am officially now putting dead man's chest as my number one that is number one for me curse of the black pearl is number two at World's End has moved up to number three. Dead Men Tell No Tales has jumped back to number four. And On Stranger Tides has jumped or has, you know, stayed at number five. So I have officially moved Dead Man's Chest to number two or to number one. And at World's End has come up to number three from number four based on my watching. So my rankings have also changed uh, slightly. Um uh, Black Pearl, the first film, is still number one for me. Um, and I've switched Dead Men Tell No Tales, the fifth film, with with this film at World's End. Um, the, so now this film is now my second favorite. Uh, number five is is the third. Um, and then uh, Dead Man's Chest is fourth for me with On Stranger Tides firmly in the final position. Very interesting. Harrison, has anything changed for you? Uh, it hasn't changed, but just solidified. I, I really had a hard time deciding between The Curse of the Black Pearl and, and Dead Men's Chest. You know, which one is two, which one is three. Uh, without a doubt, At World's End is staying out of one. Even though I give it a lower real rating than The Curse of the Black Pearl, I still, like, this is my preferred Pirates movie, if that makes sense. While I can recognize The Black Pearl is a better film, it's better made, it's, it, there, it has less things that are, are not as high quality about it. I prefer to watch this movie, if that makes sense. Um, and so that really, it solidified itself as number one, but also the presence of Hector Barbosa just really made me realize, yeah, the Black Pearl is better to me than Dead Men's Chest. So, uh, and, oh, and then I guess the rest are the same. Dead Men Tell No Tales is at four and on Stranger Sides. Like all of us at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I mean, from there, I don't, I wouldn't suspect anything would change uh, with our rankings going forward. Uh, again, unless for some reason on Stranger Tide wows all of us and we completely forget, like, 
were in some kind of trance when we first watched that movie. Uh, so I'll be interested to rewatch that. Um, and I'll be interested to rewatch Dead Men Tell No Tales. Uh, Rob, you and I watched that relatively recently. A few weeks uh, ago, yeah. Yeah, and for you, I think it'll be interesting because that was the first time that you've seen that movie. Uh, so now going back and you know watching these um, in this you know relatively short period of time that we've been going through these movies uh, to now see Dead Men Tell No Tales uh, in a quicker succession to these ones, uh, I'll be interested to see you know how you gauge that movie. I don't think it's going to you know again potentially change on your rankings, but how you view that movie. I'll be interested to see your actual overall thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really looking forward to getting a chance to sit back down with it instead of just kind of taking it in for the first time, be able to think about it a little more critically, um, you know, really highlight the things that work well, because uh, there are aspects of it that I think are a ton of fun. Uh, and then there's things about it that I think they're just trying a little bit too hard on. So, uh, yeah, in two weeks time, we'll get a chance to find out. Yeah. Uh, you know, with that being said, I, I do want to point out that, you know, thank you to everybody who's been listening to these episodes, not just these episodes, but all of the episodes on Matt Ghost, the movies, uh, the basement binge, Rob's extended podcast universe, which I'm going to give him a chance to talk about. Uh, Harrison, I know next week we talked about you wouldn't be able to officially, officially make on Stranger Tides. Is that correct? Yes, sadly, I'm going to be out of town, so I won't be able to record. But I am planning on watching it and giving like my spoiler-free thoughts and maybe you know saying my favorite scene or something like that that you can edit in as you will so that I'm here in spirit. Because, uh, And then I look forward to listening to it because I, I have not seen that film in a while. I have no idea what I'm going to say, and I can't wait to hear my own thoughts, <laughs> but then also hear, hear yours uh, yeah. and, and see how rotten we really can be. Yeah, um, I know we definitely uh, will like to get some of your thoughts on there. That way we can, you know, bring you uh, in spirit almost, so to speak, uh, into the episode. So that'll be something that Rob and I, uh, you know, have the majority of the the talking time on that one. But Harrison's going to record a couple of bits for us. So that way he can, you know, at least get his thoughts and his reels. Um, I don't know how anybody is going to be the rotten in that. Um, I think we'll all yell. <laughs> I, I think we'll all yell at each other if we give it anything more than like a half a reel. Um, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, before we close off the show here, Rob, I'm going to let you go first. And I want to start before I let you go by saying that Rob has been doing uh, what we call the extended podcast universe for Matt goes to the movies. Uh, it's Rob and his brother talking about movies that have been, you know, instrumental in their lives and things that have left a lasting impression. And as of this recording, and I want to really plug the fact that Rob did an episode uh, on the movie fight club, which has now become the number two downloaded episode on Matt goes to the movies. I think that's really cool. I know Rob thinks that's, you know, pretty amazing. Uh, kind of like me that, and I think Harrison's echoed these statements that anybody would even listen to the shows. It's so cool that, you know, movies podcasting has brought so many people together. This is how Harrison, uh, met Rob and myself and we've developed this friendship. So Rob, like 
really cool. Congratulations on so many people, you know, checking out Fight Club. So I want to give you a minute here uh, and I'll give Harrison the same opportunity just to, to talk about what you're doing and maybe, you know, what we might see here coming up on another episode if you've got something, you know, in the pipeline. Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, my brother, Eric, and I, um, we we have kind of a, a spinoff from the, the main continuity of Matt Goes to the Movies, if you will, um, that uh, we, we like to focus on the films that have really left the long-term lasting impact. That when you think about the, the movies in your life that maybe have, have possibly even changed your life, or you've developed friendships because of a love of a movie. Um, so, so far we've talked about uh, Fight Club, Matt, which you referenced earlier. We did a show on Goodfellas, uh, and then we just finished a show on The Big Lebowski uh, very recently that uh, we've, we've had a really good time doing. Um, we were just talking earlier today. We already know what the fourth episode, uh, the fourth entry in the extended podcast universe will be. It's just a matter of getting schedules to line up because uh, this one could be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to take a little bit of time to, to get together, but um, we know what we're going to do, and it's just a matter of getting around to having the time to do it between recording shows on uh, on the main continuity here on MGTTM. Uh, but for sure, <clears throat> you know, I, I'll, I'll speak for Eric for sure and myself, and I, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Uh, thank you for downloading this. Thank you for downloading any of the shows you've listened to. Uh, to think that right now somebody's driving to work, driving to school, mowing their grass, Maybe you're blowing snow out of your driveway, like wh whatever it is that you're doing uh, while you're listening to these words. Uh, we we thank you for that. We appreciate that whatever it is that that uh, our our shows are helping you kind of pass the time and making it a little more enjoyable. Um, we're we're glad you picked this, and and thank you so much. And make sure you reach out uh, by email uh, to both shows. Uh, Matt's is mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. And the basement binge is bingebasement at gmail.com. Make sure you send uh, send emails to both shows and let us know what you like. Let us know what you thought, what your thoughts are. Give us your rankings uh, of, of how you rank these pirates films. Uh, and, and while you're at it, make sure you tell both these guys that The Last Jedi is terrible. Well, well, we'll see what happens there. But <laughs> Harrison, uh, you know, talk about the basement binge, you know, what you got going on. I know you've got a lot of uh, good episodes that have just come out. Uh, anything else that you want to talk about? And all of Harrison's notes for the basement binge will be in the description of this episode. It's a great show. Check it out. But Harrison, tell us, you know, what the basement binge is about. Well, thank you for the chance to do that. I got to say one more scene about Pirates, because again, if I don't say this, I won't sleep well. This is just the way my brain works. I, I have to mention <laughs> the scene where they save Jack and he sees Barbosa. He walks up and Jack turns to him and he's like, Hector, it's been too long. That's the first use of Barbosa's first name. And it was actually just made up by Johnny Depp uh, on the first Pirates movie when they were filming. He's like, hey, Barbosa's first name is just Hector. And they just like had it as an onset joke. So they finally let him do that, which I find is hilarious. Anyway, now I can sleep well. The Basement Binge is a podcast uh, that I do that's probably full of all the quirks that I just uh, embarrass myself with, uh, where I talk about movies and the weird things that I like about them and why they matter to me, uh, which is really exciting. Celebrating the two-year anniversary of The Basement Binge, which has been a ton of fun. Just recorded and uploaded an episode on Ad Astra and one on Real Steel, two films that I've been really excited to talk about while finding time to fit in uh so yeah the basement binge it i like to tag it with the the thing 
uh, movies made meaningful. So enjoying movies like we have here, wherever you can get your podcast, we're also trying to find ways to get them meaningful. Uh, if you subscribe to The Basin Binge, there should be an episode coming out very, very soon on Dear Evan Hansen, a Spider-Verse re-review, which I'm very excited about, and then also Venom coming up, James Bond, Daniel Craig run coming up. So there's lots of exciting episodes that I'm currently working on uh, that I'm very, very excited about. So go get The Basement Binge wherever you get your podcast. And thank you both, Matt and Rob, for letting me be here with you and rant out my little quirks that help me sleep well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, congratulations on two years, by the way. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. To add on to that, what both of you said, it kind of surprises me. Like, you know, when you start something, when you st- start a creative project, whatever it is, be it a podcast or anything else, there's always a fear that I have in the back of my head. Like, how soon until this thing dies out? You know, how soon until I give up, so to speak? And it's amazing to think, not only have I done this for two years, but for two years, people have been listening to me. Maybe it's the same person for two years. I don't know. But, but people <laughs> consistently have been downloading episodes. I mean, the three of us have a friendship now because of that. And it just blows my mind that like there, this is something that people would have interest in continually uh, that allows me to continue to do it. You know, it, it's just, man, thanks to everybody who, who downloads these episodes, both Matt's and the Basin Binge, because really it's, it's just a blast to do these. And it would be kind of discouraging if every time you opened up your stats and you saw like zero downloads. <laughs> so it's great to see people listening to it. So, so thanks for that. It's, it's exciting to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just, you know, echoing what they said. Thank you so much to everybody that's listened, downloaded, uh, you know, continue to use the social media platforms to talk with the show. Let us know what you think. Give your thoughts on Pirates of the Caribbean. I really look forward to doing On Stranger Tides and then finishing it off with Dead Men Tell No Tales while the three of us will be back together. So, Rob Harrison, thank you once again for joining. Listeners, thank you. We will catch you next time on Matt Goes to the Movies.